0: Joseph Stone, his book, Following Christ, made this comment. He said, We have become all too happy to call ourselves Christians with little to no thought of following. We are followers of Jesus. That that means we follow His thoughts. We follow His ideas. We follow His agenda. We follow His values. We follow His commands. We follow His life now, our topic today is habits. Well, this one's pretty simple, isn't it? How about this? Have the habits Jesus had. Sermon's over. We can go home. Now you got all this time now to kill, so let's just stay here. <laughs> but, but really, doesn't it just come down to that? I mean, if I am a follower of Christ, if I call myself a Christian, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, then does that not mean I'm a student of Him? I study His life for the express purpose of understanding what were His activities. What were His actions? What were His character qualities? And I don't study that for academic reasons. I don't study that just for interest, but to duplicate. To to imitate. It is to follow Him. And so when the Gospels show me that Jesus habitually got up every morning early to spend time with the Father, then would that not need to become your habit and my habit? When the Gospels show us that Jesus habitually, every Sabbath, got together with God's people, then would that not need to be my habit also? When the Gospels show us that Jesus habitually responded to people with, watch this, compassion when we think of habits, don't we normally think of activities? A- activities, you know, I, I do this, I, I don't do this. We, we think of activities, but character qualities. Responding to people can be a habit too. I've seen this in my own life. I, I wish I could give you an illustration of a positive character quality, but actually it was a negative character quality that, that I realized this in. I saw in myself kind of a habit of responding quickly with anger or a sharp tongue or with sarcasm. And and I remember this time that I was responding in this way, and I just noted in myself, this thing I'm responding like I'm angry about, I don't even care. I don't care who wins, who loses, if I'm right, if they're... It wasn't even an issue. But I just responded. Why? It's the habit. See, our character qualities can become habitual too, and what Christ shows us is a character quality of habitually responding with compassion. That doesn't mean he didn't deal with wrong, that doesn't mean he didn't uh, talk about uh, issues that were confrontational, but even then there was always an air of compassion about his life. So as his followers, our goal is to learn of him, to study of him, and, and then to do that. Now I would imagine if you and I would give ourselves a, a day, a week, maybe a month to really kind of pour through the Gospels and, and really just trying to notate, not, not just what it said he did once, but what was he doing as a habit? What does the Scripture seem to show us Jesus doing over and over and over in, in how he acts and how he responds to people? Boy, I've here, here I got, I got 17 things I think Jesus did as a habit. And then you and I gave ourselves to then trying to do those 17 things. I'm guessing a lot of us would come back in a month and say, you can't do it. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't make that happen. I'm guessing the, the testimony of a lot of us is, man, I, that's just struggle. That's just hard. That's impossible. You know what? It's not. It's not impossible to do what Jesus did. Our struggle with that would not be because the the habits of Christ are just that unattainable. They're just that far out there. I mean, unless you're just kind of some super sane or something, something the rest of us really aren't, I mean, you just can't do that. That would not be why it's a challenge. Our challenge in maintaining the habits of Christ would be because of the buzz going on around us. I think that video we just watched just. Nailed it on the head. It does a very accurate job of portraying how a culture and a culture is made up of what individuals, of how a culture follows Christ. And and when we see what the Bible is expressing, I mean, there's this positive buzz about Jesus. I mean, the guy's doing miracles. I mean, this happened, and somebody else said they saw this happen, and they started talking about his teaching. And man, the guy answers questions. I mean, he significantly answers real things we're dealing with. And and there was something loving and and something special and unique. And the buzz just grew and grew. And it was positive and exciting. And as that happened, the number of people interested in him started growing. The followers started growing. But that changed. There there came a marked time in his ministry. Probably some of it with uh, him beginning to express the cost of discipleship the cost of following and and this kind of intersected with the pharisees who were always standing aloof in disapproval but all of a sudden they began to move forward and they became more vocal they became more public in their rejection of jesus as the messiah and as the negative buzz about him grew guess what happened to his followers they began to drop you know, I don't know, if you're like me, you know, for a lot of years there, you, you read the New Testament and you, you see Jesus entering villages and towns and the stir it causes. You just kind of imagine there's all these believers and, and thousands of people following Him and, and there's a reason we kind of get that view. I mean, there was tens of thousands on the hillside that day gripped by his preaching, gripped by the answers he was giving, blessed by the food that he fed him miraculously from his own hands. Thousands talked of his miracles. When he entered a city, he changed the day for that entire city. And yet, if you look closely at what Scripture says there at the end and in the book opening chapters of Acts, the days and the weeks following the death and resurrection of Jesus, folks, there may very well have been less than 200 followers of Jesus on the earth. Not 2,000. There may have been less than 200 followers of Christ. The buzz has a direct impact on how you will follow Jesus. You see, the buzz ultimately is going to be where our thoughts grow from. And it's our thoughts that produce our actions, and it's our actions that become habits. We're thinking today about habits, and, and that's not unusual, especially this time of year. We, sometimes we think of resolutions. You know, I want to have a new habit of doing this. I want to start the habit of this, or I want to get rid of this habit. And quite often, we launch way quickly into the activity but habits aren't about an activity. Habits are an activity that began with a thought. And so quite often, we're not thinking about the thoughts that are going to produce that. I keep using the word buzz. You may be thinking, what are you talking about buzz? What's the buzz? Buzz is it's Twitter. It's Facebook. It's TV. It's the radio. It's the magazine. It is every single conversation that you have the buzz is all the the ideas and the thoughts and the values that are that are swirling around my head every day of your life they're swirling around your head however they get to you and these things are going to be what makes up our thoughts which will produce our actions that become our habits I want to look today at a passage. We could look at a variety of passages. We could do a study on on Christian habits and these kinds of things. But we actually have a great passage today. One passage that gives us some really powerful habits. But what I want you to see in this particular passage, how this passage includes the buzz. It includes the buzz in your habits. Look with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning. We've got some in the the chairs in front of you. I hope you'll reach one or maybe point to one up and down the aisle and have somebody uh, hand you that. Philippians chapter 4, you'll find it a little over halfway through your New Testament. If you're thumbing through there, get past uh, Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, you're thumbing the right way. If you get to Colossians or Thessalonians, you've gone too far. Thumb back the other way. Philippians chapter 4. Now, Philippians, we're going to look at verses 4 to 8. But Philippians 4 gives us one of our favorite verses in the whole New Testament, doesn't it? Philippians 4, what? Thir- ter- 13, that's right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that an exciting thought? Isn't that an exciting verse? Man, we, I mean, that's one we put with a real pretty picture and we put it up on the wall. Philippians 4, 13. You know the funny thing about that verse? It has a context. You know, that's that strange thing about favorite verses. We take them out of the Bible and we hold on to them all by themselves, not realizing that their meaning sometimes comes in a context. Would you be shocked to hear that Philippians 4.13 is a financial statement? That's about money. Philippians 4.13, you're crazy, I've never heard that in my life. Really, look at verses 11 and 12. Look at the context of what Paul is talking about when he makes the statement he does in verse 13. Because what he is saying in verse 13 is listen, man, I can follow Christ if I'm dirt poor. I can follow Christ if I've got more money than I know what to do with. It doesn't matter. Because I've had both. I've had poverty and I've had wealth. And this is what I've learned. I can go everywhere that Christ calls me to go. I can be everything that Christ calls me to be. I can do everything that Christ calls me to do. Because it's not money that enables my life. It's not money that empowers my life. It's Christ. I can do all of it that He calls me to through Him who strengthens me. Man, isn't that phenomenal? Wouldn't you have, to, have to take that off the wall and actually have it anchored in your heart? Wasn't that that kind of faith, that kind of vision and strength, where did that come from? I actually think, you know, what produced that is the habits in Paul's life. And we see that here in verses four to eight. Look at this. Philippians four, beginning in verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, anything you do always is what? It's a habit. That's right, guys. This is not a trick question. Yeah. I mean, it's in the sermon title. It's everything, always habit. That's right. See, I, that's, that's where I stopped and told the 825 crowd that y'all were smarter. I said the 1135 crowd will get it. Now I'm going to have to go back next week in Time y'all are just as dumb as y'all are. Was it late night? Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, this is a habit. This is something we want to always be doing. You know what? I'm going to say it again. That's actually what Paul said. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be made known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I tell you, verses 4 through 7, verses 4 through 8, you could also entitle this passage a prescription for mental and emotional health, couldn't you? Verse 8, finally. Now that word finally says, okay, I want to bring this home. I've been talking about this. I'm making some points here, but I want to bring it home. I want to take everything right here and I want to tie it together. I want to take everything right here and I want to anchor it all together. Finally, listen, if you're going to do these things, then whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Live in these things. Or he's saying, live in this buzz. Folks, verse 8 is the buzz that we need swirling around our head, our ears, our mind, our heart, and our soul. This is what needs to be happening now, let me, let me restate this whole passage this way. Look up here on the screen. Every day of our life, we're to make the choice, and please note the word choice. Every one of those things is a choice you make. There's nothing about you, uh, an ability you have or an inability you have that you can look up to, well, I can't do number two. Well, I, cou- I couldn't do number four. There's nothing about the circumstances in your life that says, well, you know, one, would, one would be an impossibility for me. No, every one of those things we can do. Every one of them is a choice that we can make. And as we start making these choices, we want to make them so continuously, they become a habit. Now by a habit, what I mean, folks, is number one, two, three, four, and five is how we automatically respond. To life, to people, to situations, to news. This is our default. This is where we automatically go. So every day, we make the choice to, number one, to be happy in who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. Man, who am I in Christ? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir. I'm like a brother of Jesus. Imagine that. I mean, that's of no good on my part. That's of of nothing of value of me. And yet the work of God says one day I'll stand before God with Jesus right next to me and we'll be co-heirs to the wealth of heaven. That's who I am. That's what I have. And that's just a few things. It it goes on and on and on what the New Testament says and who we are and what we have. So if I'm going to do number one as a habit, I'm going to make sure every day I spend a second, I spend a moment, I spend whatever it takes thinking about who I am, what I have in Jesus. I'm going to do it till I got a smile on my face. I'm going to do it and say, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's take this day on. Hey, th- this is this makes me feel good. We're going to do that until we rejoice, till it's a habit in our lives. Number two, to be gracious with people. Man, we saw that in Jesus. We're, we're going to work on that's how we respond with a, an air of grace, an air of kindness, compassion, mercy. Number three, to in everything act like the Lord is near, both in presence and time. What do I mean by that? I mean, whenever, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to act like Jesus is in the room with me. Presence. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to act like Jesus is actually coming back, like he promised. Time. You think if Jesus was in the room or if he was coming back tomorrow, that might change how you might act in some places? Of course it would. Well, folks, that's the truth. It is actually the truth that He's in the room with you. It is actually the truth that He's coming back and you'll stand before Him to give an account for what you did in that room. So why not act like it to begin with? Do it until it's a habit. Do it until it's how you automatically think. Number four, to respond to worry by making three or four calls with others that you can get all upset and churned up with you. When you get that anxious news, send out an email... When you get that anxious news, start working it over in your mind just how bad this can possibly be and just how bad this can get until you can't think straight, until you can't do anything else, until you just get sick to your stomach. To the the glory of God, of course. No, it's not what it says. It says, pray. You know, folks, I... uh, I have a a very habitual prayer life. I'm going to pray every single morning. I prayed other times in the day too. But I'm going to pray every single morning. But I tell you, I learned something about the power of this verse. I noticed one morning I was praying about something that I had learned about early in the morning the day before, after I'd prayed. You know, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. And so now here I am the next morning, and I'm praying about it just like the Scripture told me to. But what had happened from the time that That worrisome thing, that anxious thing happened to the time I got to praying for it. Oh, you know, you got to go talk to two or three people. you got to get all churned up about it. The Bible actually does not say talk to two or three people. It actually does not say get all churned up and think about just how bad this can be. It says your default mode ought to be automatically move into prayer. I'm not saying you won't talk to somebody about it. I'm not saying you won't send an email. But how quickly do you move to prayer? And then lastly, we are to make the habit... Out of controlling the buzz. We're to make a habit out of controlling the buzz. Now folks, these are five great habits. These five things in your life will absolutely, 100% of the time, enable you to faithfully, to effectively follow Christ without fail. Without fail if these five habits in your life... These five habits are so powerful. And I'm not saying we should only have five habits... But if you got these five habits, you're going to add the other ones that you need to have and you're going to get rid of the ones that you don't. That will automatically happen with these five habits. But you know, when you stop and start thinking, see our thoughts about these five habits, you know why a lot of us can never get to this being an action and a habit? Because of how our thoughts are working. Because see, I look up there and think, be happy in Jesus. Man, Lord, do you know how many things there are to be unhappy about? Can anybody here make a quick list of the things to be unhappy about in the world today? Yeah. And, and uh, be gracious with people? Huh. wonder what planet he's talking about. I mean, surely he can't be talking about the people I'm dealing with. You know, to, uh, to in everything act like, you know what? I, I mean, we believe the Lord is near. We believe he's coming back. But don't we let our thoughts kind of run away with us that we don't really stop and think that, you know, God's presence is here. And, and yes, He's coming back. I mean, we can go whole huge chunks of time without ever thinking about Jesus being in the room or that one day He's coming back. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a habit at all, even though I would imagine many of us in here would actually sign a statement saying we believe those things. You know, uh, not respond with worry. How, how in the world would I know I'm alive if I wasn't worrying? I mean, folks, for some of us, worrying is just that second nature. Is it? It's just that much a part of life. To be worried, to be anxious... You see, that's how our thoughts are swirling around our head and the news and other negative things and all these things. That, that, the opposite of these things become natural. And that's why Paul says, man, finally, listen, guys, if this is going to happen, if you're going to anchor these habits in your life, you've got to control the buzz. You've got to intentionally and purposely. Now, the reason I say intentionally or purposefully is because there's a lot of buzz going on around us that we can't control, is there? I mean, I can't control all the conversations that that I hear at school or that I hear at work. I can't control all the music that I hear or maybe something I hear on the news or something I read on a news feed on Facebook or get on Twitter. I can't control all of that. And since I can't control all of it, it makes it that much more important that I'm controlling some of it. That I am purposefully bringing into my ears, my eyes, my heart, and my mind these things here in verse 8. I've got to intentionally make sure something's floating around here that's true. That's honorable. That is just. That is lovely. That is pure. That is commendable. That is morally excellent. Man, I love that phrase. Morally excellent. Think how... I mean, folks, we're okay with morally questionable sometimes. We're certainly okay with morally neutral Paul says, no, 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 questionable, neutral is not at all our goal. Excellence, moral excellence, that's what we want flowing through our ears and our eyes. That's what we're striving after. Now, we're going to, I mean, if we're being honest here, we're going to have some conversations that are less than morally excellent, aren't we? And I think when that happens, we need to be aware that the more that happens the more likely one day my life can potentially reach over and click unfollow. We might think it's okay to watch something that is less than pure, less than lovely, less than just. But you're increasing the odds that you click unfollow. You can have relationships that are less than commendable. Good relationships. We have a lot of fun together. I mean, none of our activities are that commendable. (laughs) None of our conversations are that commendable, but they're good friends. That's okay. But if that becomes the majority of your friends, if that becomes the significant friends, you're increasing the odds that you click, unfollow. I think most of us in here would disagree with that. No, I wouldn't. I've got control of that. I bet Peter thought that too. And I would dare say Peter followed him closer than you and I do. I would dare say that after following Jesus for three years, he had, he had some pretty good habits ingrained. And yet for one reason one reason not not a bunch of reasons not a variety of circumstances for one reason he clicked unfollow because of the buzz going on around him you know our message today is about habits we really haven't talked about habits we're almost done here i haven't talked about the habits you should have or habits you shouldn't have or how you get habits in life I pointed to a group of habits in philippians i think they're awesome i think they'll work for every life in the room Really, we didn't talk this morning about what, is it, what does it mean? What does it look like to rejoice in the Lord? How, how do you do that? How do you get from, from worry to prayer? How do you learn to do that quicker and quicker? Or if verse 8 is kind of the center of what I'm talking about, there's a lot of words here. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, morally. What do those words mean? What are things in all of our lives that are commendable that we could intentionally be making sure we 're getting into our ears we 're getting into our lives it didn 't talk about any of any of that and we 're just about done i tell you folks that, that video just kind of blew me away. just made me really realize whatever habits i 'm trying to have whatever i 'm striving after if I don't recognize the significance of the buzz going on around me and the impact that it can have on my life, the impact it can have on me following Christ, if I don't see that, then what difference does it make what habits I have or don't have? If the buzz going on around me ultimately is going to lead me to drop further and further back, if it's going to lead me to follow from a distance or kind of follow in name only, but I just keep dropping back, or worse, it just actually leads me to reach over and click unfollow. Man, if I'm not following Him, then what difference does it make what my habits are? If I'm not following Him, what difference does it make what my habits are not? I'm His follower. That's all that's measured in my life. That's all that's evaluated. Maybe I I close today, folks, with just a simple question, just a simple thought. I don't I don't think it encapsulates all these habits. I, I don't think it sums up everything that we're talking about, but but maybe just a kind of a simple question to send us out of here today thinking and kind of walking through this week with. Who are you talking to? And what are you reading? that is morally excellent. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to a lot of people. You're having a lot of conversations. We all are. But which ones of them, which ones are we making sure every week I've got relationships out there where conversations are going to be morally excellent. What am I reading? Oh, I'm not, I'm not a reader. I don't do much. Everybody in here reads. You read a paper. You read a magazine. You read of anything that is of interest to you. What are you reading that is strengthening your resolve to follow Him closely? That's just two things, but that's, those are big things. And they're things that you can make choices by the people you seek to involve in your life, the people you seek to involve more in your life, the things you get involved with, the things you pick up and choose to put in front of you. Who are you talking to? What are you reading? That's morally excellent. That's going to strengthen your resolve to follow Him. You never know what buzz is coming. But I know this, the buzz Is powerful. Ask Peter. Let's pray. Father, we don't want to be a Peter. I know if Peter was standing right here, he'd say, You don't ever want to be in that spot. Lord, I know that uh, from my own life, I think I can say that many of us are probably very casual about the buzz that we allow to be floating around our our heart and our mind day in and day out. Very, very casual about it. Think we've got control over it. Think it makes no difference. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this week, You'd give us discernment and wisdom to just really kind of stop and Think about each conversation that we leave. Each magazine that we put down, the newspaper that we put down, the book. And just stop and start thinking about what what did that just do to my resolve to follow Christ? Did that strengthen me in moral excellence? Did that strengthen me in knowing Him, desiring Him, following after Him? Or was it something less than that? God, would you guide us to the people that need to be a habit in our life? The relationships that need to be a habit. Would you guide us to the kinds of things we need to be studying and reading and putting before us? God, give me the the discernment. Give me the, the discipline to control the buzz that I can. So that I can, so that we can faithfully follow you. We certainly need your help in this. It's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen.